I count it a true privilege that you all would consider me a pastor. It's quite an honor to serve you all in many different ways, but I have all summer been looking forward to this opportunity to, to say a word before we partake in the Lord's Supper with one another. So I'm very excited for that opportunity. I hope that you'll be encouraged this evening before we go to the Lord's table. I need you, and in some weird way, God has ordained that you need me. We need each other. So tonight we're going to the Gospel of John. It is the greatest book in the Bible. Is that correct, Pastor? It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> That's what he wrote on the commentary. Not bad. <laughs> Gospel of John. But chapter 1, verse 29, I'll read it for us. And I have three points, and they are in the verse. So hopefully we stay in the Bible. But in John chapter 1, verse 29, the word of God says, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this tremendous verse, and more importantly, the truth which it contains, that you have provided for us a lamb, a lamb that would take away our sin. And so we come tonight and we ask that you would help us to understand and to believe and that you would fuel our faith. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. I don't remember the exact year. I think it was probably 2010-ish. I just uh, was on a, a mission trip to New York City and I left early, which was a bummer because I liked the pizza there in New York City and I had a couple more I was trying to get to. But Rebecca's brother was getting married and so I, I make it back to the wedding in time there for the wedding. And he gets married and they're having this big party afterwards and I sneak away to get a piece of cake. And as I return back to our table, I see my entire family just laughing hysterically and I knew that I missed, somebody must have told the best joke of all time. So I'm trying to get filled in on what's going on. Well, apparently, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but a couple weeks ago, there was a young lady here that looked exactly like Rebecca. Her name is Rachel. Rebecca has a twin sister named Rachel, and her husband is named Isaiah. I have never once had a problem telling them apart, but my brother-in-law Isaiah messed them up in the worst way. So Rachel and Isaiah were taking photographs, and then they're scrolling through and looking at them all, and Rebecca at this time is now looking at the phone, looking through the pictures, when all of a sudden she feels this warm, wet sensation on her neck. And here's the voice. Are we going to take more pictures, baby? <laughs> I don't like taking my picture, okay? So she knows immediately, this is not Gabriel. Turns around, it's my brother-in-law Isaiah who's just puckered up and giving her a big one on the neck. <laughs> Sitting around the table with my father-in-law Larry observing the whole time. Didn't try to stop Isaiah, okay? <laughs> this lets him go straight in. He sees it. He is dying laughing. And my brother-in-law, who's never embarrassed, is red as a strawberry after kissing Rebecca. And we give him a hard time about that all the time. Mistaken identities. Now, this is one that just leads to embarrassment. But there are some times when we have a mistaken identity that can be the matter of life and death. And John's gospel, his whole gospel, is set apart in chapter 20. He said, these things I have written to you that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing 
you may have life in his name. Jesus is the son of God. And every story, every word, every paragraph that John has penned together is so that you and I, it might elicit faith from us, either for the first time or that it might strengthen our faith. So every story that we come across, Jesus is the son of God. And by believing in that, I have life in his name. That's what the gospel's about. And we see early on, John the Baptist, a story with John the Baptist. He identifies Jesus. There's no mistaken identity here. Early in John's gospel, John the Baptist declares Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is not the first time these two have met. It's interesting though, John does not record for us the the baptism of Jesus, but he records this story for us. And I think it's because it's very clear he wants us to know the identity of Jesus. Jesus is the son of God. He is the one that they have been expecting. In fact, John the Baptist had been grilled the day before by the Pharisees, by the religious leaders. Are you the one to come? Are you the prophet? Are you the Christ? He said, no, I'm not even worthy to untie this man's shoes, but I was sent to reveal him to Israel, okay? So that was John's job. John came as a lamp. Jesus is the light. John came as a voice. Jesus is the word. All of John's duty was to identify Jesus, to point to Jesus, to say, here is the one that we've been waiting for. He's the one. So John does not mistake any identity. He points right away to Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God. He zeroed in on Jesus and made it clear that he was the expected one. He came to bear witness. This is the one that we're supposed to look to. But why are we to look to this one? Because this one is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. What did John mean when he said Jesus was the Lamb of God? You and I, we had the advantage of hearing that. We've had 2,000 years of history in between that time when John uttered these words. We've had many Christians giving thought and study to help us understand what the imagery might be But for the original hearers, the original readers, it probably wasn't as simple to them. What is this imagery? What is Jesus being said to have been by John the Baptist? Why did John ascribe this title to Jesus? Scholars are not 100% sure. Was this the Passover lamb? Well, perhaps. But there is a word that John the Baptist could have used if he meant for sure this was the Passover lamb. That word wasn't used. Is this the warrior lamb? Well, again, maybe, perhaps the lamb of Isaiah 53 or Genesis 22, where Abraham and Isaac were, he said, God will provide the lamb. Is this that lamb? Was it the daily temple sacrifices? There's not a consensus. We're not exactly sure what was meant. But I think it's probably can be sure that John the Baptist spoke better than he knew. In fact, The evangelist, when he was writing later in John chapter 11, he said this of Caiaphas. You remember Caiaphas in John chapter 11. He said, do you not understand that it's better that one man should die than the whole nation perish? And John said, Caiaphas spoke better than he knew. It may be that John the Baptist here is speaking better than he knew. But what is clear is that the Lamb of God is a sacrificial lamb. And it's provided for you by God. That's what's very clear. It's an important title. 
There are many titles in the book of John for Jesus. But one of the first ones we come across is Lamb of God, the Lamb that God provided. Jesus was sent by God. He came from the Father. In John 1.14, he tabernacled among us and we have beheld his glory. Glory is the only one from the Father, full of grace and truth. He became what he previously had not been. He took on our flesh and he was sent from God. You know, a good exercise may be if you're reading through the gospel just to look at all those places where it said that Jesus was sent and what he came to do. He was sent from God. God provided this lamb. John identifies Jesus as the sacrifice provided by God. What's the scope of this provision? Well, this is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There is a universal problem. Each one of us has to deal with it. It's sin. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But God has provided the one answer. The one answer is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The answer is the same for everyone. And this is through the atonement. That Jesus himself would lay down his life and make atonement for us. It is sacrificial. He was the sacrifice for our sins. The lamb pays the penalty. God provided the lamb. In John 19, 6, Jesus cried out from the cross, It is finished. One word. We call it three words. Maybe the best words we'd ever hear. I love to read that chapter on Good Friday. It is finished. God provided for us. Jesus bore all the holy wrath of God on that tree. He bore our curse. And in doing so, he bore the sins of the world. Christ's death is sufficient for all people. Anyone who looks to him in faith and repents can have their sins forgiven and receive right relationship with God once again. So tonight as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, why this verse? Why John 1.29? Three reasons. Four. Let's go four reasons. Because I want us tonight to behold Jesus. He's why we're here. Every Sunday, that's why we're here, is to behold Jesus. He is more beautiful than anyone or anything in this world. And we're to look at him. We don't look at other hopeless things or hopeless places or hopeless people. We look to Jesus. He is the one who is the Lamb of God. He is the one who bore our sins in his body on the tree. And I think for me personally, and I think that you may have this temptation as well, is it's easy when we sin to overwhelmingly look at ourselves and see ourselves as a sinner. For every look at sin, take five looks at Jesus Christ. Behold the lamb. Don't look at your sin. Don't wallow around in your sin. We're not perfect. You will fail. I will fail. We all sin. Christ is still working on us. He's still sanctifying us. But let's look to him when we sin and be quick to do so. Behold him. How do we behold him? We behold Christ through his word. We behold Christ through his word. We behold him through prayer. We pray to him. We behold him together in community as we worship together, as we sit under truth together, and as we fellowship with one another. Behold Christ. 
Secondly, rest in his work. He is the sacrificial lamb of God. God provided him for you. Rest in his work and not your own work. Not in anyone or anything else. Jesus is the only way. Rest in his work. Sometimes we can get a rut, even as Christians, where we think, I gotta keep doing some good things here so God is pleased with me. But that is not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus has done it all. It is finished and we look to him, we behold him, we put our faith and trust in him. And when we fall, we look to Christ to forgive us, not some type of work. And believe it's for you. Oftentimes we think, well, that may be good for Brother Jeff. It may be good for my neighbor. It may be good for the person on the other side of the worship center. It may be good for missionaries and pastors. But Christ's work is for you. This includes all of us. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's sufficient for all of us. So when Satan accuses you, you say, yes, I did do that. But look at Jesus. He has taken away my sin. When shame condemns you, say yes, but look at Jesus. If you're in Christ, Jesus has removed your sin. As far as the east is from the west, and he doesn't remember anymore. The sun sets you free. He set you free from Satan. He set you free from your flesh. He has set you free from the fear of death. He has set you free from shame. He has set you free from pride. He has set you free to love and free to proclaim his work in your life. John bears witness to the lamb. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Once you come to trust Jesus as the lamb of God who takes away your sin, how can we not tell others, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we're sent out on mission to bear witness as ones who have our sins forgiven. Maybe some of you tonight, you don't know that freedom. Maybe you come to church, it's kind of routine, it's good, the people here are okay, the cotton candy's sweet but you never put your trust in Jesus. And what I would say to you tonight is, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He will take your sin if you look to him in faith and say, Lord, I have sinned. Forgive me. I place my trust in you. And for the rest of us, I would encourage us to behold the Lamb of God. Every day, every hour, we are still in this battle with sin and we fall and we're tempted to sometimes not want to run to Jesus, to not want to run to the Father for forgiveness. But be reminded tonight that God in Christ has removed your sin. That in Christ, he sees you. I can't, you're a parent I never knew how much I would look at Charlotte and the, the emotions that I would feel when I look at that little girl. And that just pales in comparison to how the Father sees you through the blood of the Lamb of God. Even when she's a little ornery, a little disobedient, and we're eating donuts together, we're not supposed to be eating donuts, and Rebecca catches us, we're both in trouble. But then... I just look at her and say, you know, I love you. You're my child. 
She didn't do anything to earn that. She just was born into our home. And I love her with a love that is apparent, you know, it's hard to describe. And that's minor compelled to the love that our Father has for you in Christ Jesus. So when you, when you fall and you sin, be quick to run to your Father, who through Jesus has removed your sin from you. And that's what tonight is about. We come to this table. It's about reminding us of that love of God that he has for us in his son, Christ Jesus. It's about beholding the Lamb of God who shed his blood for us. No one took his life, he laid it down. And he did so for you and me. And so tonight we gather around the table to remind each other of that gospel truth. We need to remind ourselves of the gospel every day. And so when we do the Lord's Supper with one another, that's what we're doing. So I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then the men are going to come, and we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper together tonight. Father, thank you so much for your goodness towards us. We thank you that you have provided for us the perfect, sacrificial lamb who has shed his blood for us. We thank you that your banner over us is love, that you are for us and not against us. We pray that we would be set free from shame, set free from the power of sin, and we thank you that you are quick to forgive and you you remove our sins as far as east is from west. We love you and we praise you this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.